0: Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. And on Tuesdays, we call it Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Super big thanks. Go out to the whole Salem Media Group team today, but specifically Ace Andrews. He'll be operating with excellence. But before we get to our guest today, have you joined the I Work For Him Nation? Each and every day, we challenge people to put their faith into action in the workplace. And joining the I Work For Him Nation is just that we're asking christ followers across the country and around the world to commit to starting to pray for their co-workers and employees by name each and every day to look for ways to serve those people in their workplace to look for ways to befriend those they work alongside every day so they get an opportunity to be real with them and share the hope that that is in their life that is the hope of jesus and all along looking for ways to pray with people when you notice that their countenance is down and when you see that they just need a pick-me-up and praying with people is always a pick-me-up but overall we're looking for members of the I work for him nation to represent excellence in their workplaces we're looking for Christ followers to stand out to be the best the brightest there's ever been in your position in your workplace go out to I click on the I work for him nation flag and join the I work for him nation tonight every day we get new members Tonight should be no different than any other. Go out to iWorkForHim.com. That's iWork, the number for him Click on the iWorkForHim Nation flag. Hey, Martha, do we have that bumper
1: sticker ready yet? Why do you keep asking me? Because we got to get
0: that thing done.
1: I am ready to pull the trigger any day.
0: All right, we need, we're going to pull the trigger here very, very quickly. We're done with tax season now. So Woo-hoo! that's right. So things should be getting easier. But in order to join the I Work for Am Nation, you do need a, a paradigm shift in your minds to recognize that we've got to stop thinking of our workplace the way the world has told us. They said, separate your faith from work. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And that's what we're going to talk about today, changing the way you think about your marriage. Let me just tell you the story. Our guests, Scott and Jess Rothmeyer, these guys are amazing. About, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, I was driving into church. Martha was still working at the church, and I was driving into church, and I noticed I was following a car with a frozen Tundra license plate. That's what I call Minnesota. And so I, I, I watched them pull into the parking lot at our church, and then I watched them get out of their car, and I started walking them, go up to our church, watch them go up to our church, and I kind of chased them down. You were stalking them? I was stalking them, <laughs> and I chased them and I said, hey, You're from the frozen tundra, and that always gets everybody's attention because only people from Minnesota even know what that is, and not everybody even in Minnesota knows what that is, and we got into this long conversation, and after church, ended up spending the whole afternoon on the beach and found out that our passions in life are matched up so completely. These guys are from Big Lake, Minnesota, which is not too far from Elk River or St. Cloud or Minneapolis, whichever you're familiar with. But these guys have a passion for marriage, and Jess was just finishing up and publishing her book, The Divine Marriage. Scott and Jess Rothmeyer, welcome to I Work For Him.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Jim and Martha.
0: So before we get to our first break, time always to just talk about the immediate. How is Christ making a difference in your life today? So, you know, ladies first, Jess, how is Christ making a difference in your life today?
2: Well, for me, Jim, I spent a large part of my life being an overachiever and always trying to be harder to be good enough. And so once I recognize that I have righteousness in Christ and I truly had my identity rooted in Him, that's how I can live out my day pretty stress-free every day now that I've discovered that.
0: That's pretty powerful. So, Scott, what about you? How, how, is, your, how, are you, how is Christ making an impact on your life today?
3: Well, you know, Jeff and I have seen a lot of blessings in our life, answers to prayer, and things that are, are real faith builders in our life. But we just really see God working right now in the area of pulling us into ministry full time, and you know that's exciting because when I became a believer, I thought if this is real, uh, I I want to serve God in His kingdom. So quite a long time ago, God put this uh, this word in me that I would have a marriage ministry. And that came to light now, and and God is really growing that. So we just see God doing all kinds of things, opening doors, that direction for us. So we're really excited about that.
0: Well, and Jess, people can find out lots more about you guys on your website, DivineMarriageCenter.com. What else can people find out there on that website, DivineMarriageCenter.com?
2: Gives you the background of um, how we counsel, that it's really from a biblical perspective. It's going to be different than what you usually get when you go to seek marriage counseling. Um, it also has a temperament analysis that you can take right online, or you can set up an appointment to come in and talk to us about that. Temperament is something that has radically changed how we counsel people, because it's truly how God wired us from birth. So we just get really excited about that. It has little snippets and bios of both Scott and I and kind of our heart for couples and, and teaching uh, biblical marriage. And then also um, just a little bit of information about the book, so it kind of gets you interested in that.
1: And can they actually buy your book on your website?
2: Yep, absolutely. There's a link awesome. that you can uh, select and, and go right to purchase that.
0: Scott and Jess, before we get into the book, can you just tell us, how did you guys come to know Jesus? Jess?
2: You know, I was blessed enough to grow up in a Christian faith-based family, but I did attend a three-day uh, teen retreat called Tech, Together Encountering Christ, and that's, I did that at about age 15, and that's truly when I made my faith my own and felt like I was really transformed by Jesus.
3: And Scott, what about you? You know, for me, I was in my early 30s when I had—I was kind of a guy that I set a lot of goals for my life, and I really wanted to go out and tackle the world. And I thought I needed to do that to get to a level of happiness or satisfaction. And by my early 30s, I—I I kind of assessed that, and I had accomplished all my goals and was living the dream. But I really didn't have this uh, feeling of you know contentment like I thought I would. Um, God took the, that opportunity to throw some people in my path, and One gentleman at work that uh, I would run into this guy about three days a week, and he was at a real broken point in his life, and I would check on him just to see how he was doing. And this one day when I encountered him, he was just cheery, happy, and I could just see this uh, unnatural joy in him. And I asked him what had happened, you know, did his circumstances change or what, what was going on with him? And he said, well, he didn't have to worry about that anymore because he had given his life to Jesus, and Jesus was just going to take care of him at this point. And, but anyway, it was it sounded strange to me, you know. And I watched this guy over a period of time, and he didn't just have a good day that day. This maintained in him for many months that I observed him. And uh, to back that up, another person came in my life with a similar experience. And I just started seeing these people with this unnatural peace and joy. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but what I was witnessing were the fruits of the Spirit, And I I guess the the time that really changed for me was a neighbor inviting me to church. I walked into church to meet him, and the greeter came up to me. It was one of those moments that, you know, if you ever have, like, where you visualize a moment, I could visualize this man named Vern walking up to me and introducing himself, and he just had that look on his face. He had that smile that I could see that joy in him. And I said, I've got to figure something out here, because I've done everything my whole life to have the joy that I thought I would have And it was all wrapped up in material and accomplishment. And I just wasn't that happy. And I saw people with much less um, circumstance than myself be much happier than me. So I really was, uh, at that point, it was one of those, when you seek God with all your heart, that's what I did. And he revealed himself to me. And that was my turning point when I became born again.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: That is really awesome. Thanks for sharing that with everybody. I think that the encouragement is that... um, you saw people around you being a testimony in their everyday life. And uh, that's what we hope our listeners will, will take away as well and um, do that in their own lives as well. So one of the things, um, you know, Jim and Jim, and I would like our audience to just get to know you guys a little bit better. If you could maybe tell them how long you've been married and then kind of move into where this book has came from for you guys.
3: You know, we were married six years ago. And you know, this was a second marriage for both of us. We'd both been through the brokenness of divorce, so we've experienced that in our lives and watched the pain in our in our children and our families' lives because of that. So that really gave us both passion um, to help others avoid divorce and to teach them how to have a thriving marriage.
2: Not just and as far you're... as writing the book, we pretty much knew from the beginning that God had given us this. Really supernatural download of information. It wasn't something that Scott and I went to seek further education or by attending seminars. We just really feel like God gave us these special nuggets of wisdom about how to live out a biblical marriage, and so we knew that shortly after we started counseling, we would write this book and share that information, hopefully with um, you know the masses rather than just the the few couples that we saw each week.
1: So really, who, who is your ideal reader for this book? You know, it's pretty much everyone, Martha. You know, it's great
2: for young people. We've suggested to uh, young people who are thinking about marriage because it gives mm-hmm. them the um, ideas and the information about living biblical roles. Our society doesn't really teach our young people how to uh, communicate with one another and kind of live out what is being a godly wife or a godly husband. It's for the people who've experienced a uh, failed marriage, and they want to learn how to do it God's way, the right way. And of course, for couples who want to improve their current marriage so that they can live out that satisfying and rewarding relationship that God would have for all of us in marriage.
0: And what's fun about people getting to know you guys, and as as Martha and I have read your book, you know, I read your book. You gave it to me last time you were down here on vacation, and as I read it, I thought, wow, you guys just really did a great job of communicating transparently in this book. We're talking today with Scott and Jess Rothmeyer. They've written this book called The Divine Marriage, and you can find out more about them online at divinemarriagecenter.com divine marriagecenter.com and their book is the divine marriage so Jess, as you know let's just jump into the book a little bit because you you say some great stuff i mean this is a book that everybody's got to read and as you said it's really good it's it's a great if people aren't married yet great precursor here here's some things to look out for if you if you are married and you're and you just want to make your marriage stronger it's a great book to read if you've been through a marriage breakup like both you and scott have been it's a great way to get reset to get ready for uh being able to be married again you say that 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 this is a myth women are crazy and men are stupid and that's really the way the the the, on tv women are always portrayed as crazy and nuts and men are just plain stupid why what's wrong with this relational myth
2: Well, you know, at first that sounds kind of comical, right? And we've heard that for years for our counseling, the frustration that men and women have with one another, trying to understand each other or communicate. And so what that really is, Jim, is just our instinctual differences between men and women and how we filter things, how we naturally uh, communicate with one another. And so um, through kind of poor miscommunication and usually some kind of marital breakdown or disconnect, men and women will come in saying things that, you know, wives will say, say things like, men just don't get it. Why doesn't he know me and what I need after all these years? You know, couples who've been married for 15 years and the wife still feels frustrated that her husband doesn't get it. And that kind of leads her to say things like, either he doesn't love me or he's just stupid. And then for men, they'll say things like, what's wrong with my wife? She's never happy. She always overreacts. She's too emotional. And I think she might be crazy. So (laughs) truly, the truth is, is that we simply need to understand that men and women communicate differently and that we start to recognize that instinctually. And then, of course, apply the wisdom on how to, you know, meet each other's needs and and talk in a way that both uh, husband and wife feel validated.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that Martha and I always, whenever we're working with a married couple, certainly if they're struggling with these two issues is to get them connected with uh, the book, love and respect to take this, this one chapter that you focus on, but they dig into 28 chapters on understanding who God created women to be and who God created men to be and the differences, because it's not that women are crazy. It's just everything is related. And it's not that men are stupid. It's just that we compartmentalize and we're we're really good at it.
1: Yeah. And you know, I want to just, um, for just, a moment talk about how the book is laid out because I really think that that will help people to understand our conversation because I love it I love the way that you set it up at the beginning and just a lot of information about who men are who women are why we struggle with you know how to do this thing together called marriage and you give a lot of kudos to other resources for people to go deeper and to check out other things and then at the end of every chapter you have review and then you also have have a written prayer and I will say I am not one for written prayers but the way that it opened my eyes to talking to our Heavenly Father about the conversation of that chapter was very very impactful for me so I want people to hear that because that's that's really key to how you someone can enjoy this book and get a lot out of it
0: so what made you put the prayers at the end of each chapter Jess or was that Scott's idea
1: Nope, that
2: was mine. Um, That came from my years of of being a spiritual mentor and a counselor that I've had a lot of people, um, a lot of times we counsel newer believers who say uh, at the end of each session, Scott and I pray for them, and they say, your prayers are so beautiful. I can't pray like that. I don't know what to pray for. So
1: when we kind of lay out what what I would call a setup prayer, eventually over time Mm -hmm. they can make it their own. Um, I'm just cracking up because Jim was right he wrote a question here that i think is pretty funny because it says that he wants you to describe from the book of course about men who men, about men and women <laughs> i'm like i don't think we have time for a whole hour <laughs> <That> could <laughs> we be, could talk about could describing men it could yeah, we so spent one of you
0: sessions want... on that <laughs> oh yeah so which which and we could we could always do a repeat we could do a you know a follow up show in the future but which one of you wants to describe men and which one of you, you wants to describe women
3: well, I think that's logical. I'll take on men because it's really tough for me to describe women accurately. It's just, <laughs> just even being in that air, working in the field, it's, it's tough to wrap my hands around everything that a woman goes through uh, when they're dealing with the thoughts in her head. So, uh, you know, usually the way we start out our program with a couple is that we'll start to explain the biblical roles and how God created us. You know, in God's Word, it says that He created us in His image. And when we look at that, it, He He created us man and woman, it says. And then when he brings us together in marriage, we are one. So it's only when we are one that we're the full image of God. So separately, independently, we are created in his image, but only a partial image of God, and they're different. So, uh, you know, men, we are created to be providers and protectors and warriors. Um, this mm-hmm. is different than how women are created to be basically life-givers, nurturers, and caretakers. So these are instinctual inside of us. And when we have uh, these differences it will cause conflict uh, in marriage because we will have a misunderstanding of each other. Um, You know, one of the biggest differences in conflict that we we witness and we try to counsel to is that when there is conflict, husbands, we are filtering that conversation and that conflict, and we're filtering it through a performance base, where our wives are not performance-based, but they are approval-based. So our wives are filtering everything we say through their approval, and this causes miscommunications.
1: Yeah, that's, that's excellent for us to try to even start to understand how God really designed us as man and wife. Um, so, Jess, you take on the uh, description of women.
2: Sure. You know, in um, God's image, we are the loving and nurturing side of God. And so we all know that most of us as women don't need to be instructed on how to care for people. We are intuitive mm-hmm. and compassionate. Uh, We take care of our own parents when they grow older, the sick, our husbands, our children. But every woman also desires to be cared for in that similar way. We need to feel precious, cherished, and valued above all else by our spouse. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. men just aren't instinctually wired to do that, right? And so eventually what we see is that women don't offer that grace when their husbands fall short of being loving And so that ends up making them feel unworthy and unloved. And like Scott said, we start to have that emotional conflict. We have an emotional reaction because our husband isn't being loving, which will then make our husband feel attacked or defensive. And then this starts the conflict cycle
0: well and, and listen marriages work I mean there's no question there's gonna be conflicts because God in his ultimate design and I think in his sense of humor he created us we look similar but we are very different and, and but yet he designed when 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 it says in Genesis that he created them, male and female, he created them, in his image he created them. So marriage is that representation of God. When you combine the unique characteristics of men and the unique characteristics of women, we then start to begin to represent the divine nature of our heavenly Father, which is why I'm sure you finally got this this idea on the or you're not finally, but that you got the idea for the divine marriage, because it was God's idea.
2: right? Exactly. Yep.
3: And, and that we so, want to live it out God's way, because the world seems to teach a, a different version of marriage, and and I think that's why so many marriages are broken today is because they don't apply the biblical wisdom for marriage.
0: You know, let's talk about this trust thing, because I I know that in you know the scriptures are very they're strong in um, uh, saying hey let husbands lead and, and wives. Submit to your husbands. But it also says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Let's not get controversial. Husbands are held to a higher standard than anybody else. Love your wives like Christ loved the church. And wives, submit to your husbands. But just you mentioned in your book, talk about trusting your husband to make good decisions and being supportive of that decision. Is that even valid in today's society, in today's culture?
2: I love this question, Jim. I have given hour-long seminars and actually a nine-week Bible study on this one question. So my answer is yes. Trusting your husband to make a good decision and supporting him in those decisions is absolutely valid in today's society and scriptural. In 1 Peter 3, God commands wives to submit to their husbands as husbands must submit to God. But God assures wives with a beautiful blessing that even if her husbands are not obeying him and they might make a poor decision or one that we don't agree with, if a wife submits out of reverence for Christ, God will supernaturally bless her because she's fulfilled her role, and that's pleasing to God. And I just see in the many women that I've counseled, I've been a professional counselor for 16 years, that the modern-day woman is... Living in elevated stress and anxiety and feeling overwhelmed because she's trying to make her own decisions and taking on the responsibility for those decisions. And the more I teach this about being a submitted wife and the supernatural blessing and protection that comes with that, the more women realize they want to fulfill that role.
1: You know, and I love the fact that um, you really need to know scripture in order to really understand how this design all works out. And throughout your book, you have sprinkled that scripture right in there to help people to understand that um, what God has to teach us in this area. So I love um, a little later in the book where you actually list out some ways that women can communicate respectfully to their husband. And you actually give examples because it we need that. We, we don't have good examples in that area. So in the little bit that we have left before the break, can you just maybe talk a little bit about where those examples might have come from?
2: You know they come from real life um, circumstances, of course. You know, uh-huh. uh, I can just tell you a real short story of uh, time when Scott was a professional snowplower and he wasn't home for a long period of time, and you know I. We gotta take a break it's...
0: there for a minute. We we gotta just oh, look. snow plowing. Okay, snow <laughs> falls on the ground <laughs> and it covers. The... up here. That's right. Yeah, it covers the highways and you have to move it out of the way so you can go. Through the so highways. Pleasing. And so you have to, that's what snow plowing is. Okay, go ahead, Jeff.
2: Sorry. You just
1: had to interpret there for everybody. <laughs> so he had been gone
2: for a long period of time, and I'd take on all the you know, stressors of household and kids. And, and I knew that he was tired and I was emotional, and it would have been easy for me to kind of blast him with my stressors. But instead, I went to him respectfully, and I said, the thoughts in my head are making me feel like you're not a very good husband and that you don't care about me. And that Mm. allowed him to validate those thoughts or talk to me and reassure me without feeling attacked or defensive. So that's one of the most helpful things that wives can do is to put it in a stance of, I am feeling this way or the thoughts in my head, can you reassure me?
0: Guys, we were talking about respect, and, and you were talking about, just how ladies can be respectful in their answers to their, or in their communications to their husbands, but Scott, I think it's it, it's probably best, let's just step back a minute and talk about why is respect so important to men?
1: You
3: know, if we're created to be providers and protectors and warriors, when we have conflict with our wife, we fall into our warrior mode. Um, when, it, when in more warrior mode, we feel that need to be respected. And it's that, that crossing over that line of respect that will trigger us into, as I say, drawing our sword and we will duel because respect will be given. So in conflict, we're usually feeling like we have been disrespected. And, and that's why it's important for our wives to learn how to come to us and to be able to talk about how they're feeling so that we can validate their feelings without us getting defensive. And as Jess mentioned earlier, when when she came to me after I had been absent for so long working, and she didn't come to me and say, you are a bad husband, which would have put me on the defense. She just said, the thoughts in my head are, now how can I ever be defensive about the thoughts in her head? So she just wanted to explain to me her feelings, and that way I could come to her and, and try to validate those feelings and comfort her, and then I take on a role that I, I try to teach my husbands to, to take on, which is to be the emotional caregiver. So being that emotional caregiver is important for husbands to take on as the wives take on a role of being respectful and submissive.
0: So Jess, go back to how you were answering your question before before we got it, you ran into the break, on how wives, now we understand why a guy respect is so important, but talk about this, kind of revisit why respectful answers, respectful communication to a husband from a wife is so important and so critical in a healthy marriage relationship.
2: Because a big part of the healthiness of a marriage has to do with our emotional connection, the status of how con- connected we feel to our husband. Approaching our husband in a respectful way as a wife is one way that we can guarantee that emotional connection is not broken. So we're looking for our husband to validate our feelings, to make us feel like he intimately knows us, and we can have incredible influence in inspiring our husband to either do that in a very caring and loving way, or to create some kind of hurt and wound in him or defensiveness in him. So I just love teaching women on uh, how to do that well because it's really about getting our need met in that way.
3: Well, and it you know- goes then. To- Go ahead, Scott. You know, usually when we see couples come to us, there is this this broken connection between the couples, and and we always say that it's it's usually more work for the wife to get back on track than the husband, and that's because of how we're different, and that husbands um, typically in conflict, we we want to feel respected, and if we don't, the conflict blows up. Once it calms down and mutual respect has been has been maintained, we tend to uh, get over the conflict and we forgive. For our wives, there's that emotional component, and if we haven't met their emotional needs, that conflict's really not over for them. And, and that's that, the analogy is, you know, why does my wife remember everything I've ever done wrong since the day we met? Well, it's because most likely the, when the conflict died down and she started to respect you again, you forgave it, because that's how that's how men forgive. Um, women with that emotional component, they need to have kind of a meeting of the minds and they need to feel that we are, Um, we're understanding how they feel. And when that isn't met, they have a harder time forgiving it. So these wounds stay fresh over many years. And as soon as something reminds them of that wound, it's opened up again. And that's why we seem to um, kind of pay for things over and over. It's because our wives have not been given that emotional resolution. So it's important for us husbands to understand, to be that role and to offer that resolution that way.
0: Okay, but then I think that brings up a very good point. How do how does a man connect with his wife or pursue his wife emotionally? How, how can he – when? because what you guys just described in that last conversation was a lot of couples that come to us who their marriage is a mess because the wife put up with, put up with, put up with, put up with whatever, and finally one day she goes, I'm done. I'm just done. And she's been putting up with garbage for whatever, however, however many years, and the guy's like, "Wait a minute! I didn't know there was anything wrong. Now that I know something wrong, I'm willing to fix this. I didn't know, I, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't know. Why? This is a shock to me." So, you know, and now exactly. he wants to work on it, just like you said, he wants to work on it. She's all <laughs> like,
3: "I'm done." <laughs> we, we have a story. You know, we see a lot of couples that come in after many years, and we'll we'll sit down and ask them. Um, you know, and, and the husband will say, "Well." You know, we really, we had a rough go of it the first 10 years. But, you know, this last year, our 10th year, things have really been much better. We don't fight like we used to. And, uh, you know, I would say we're probably at the strongest point of our marriage. So I really don't understand why she wants to come to marriage counseling now. We should have been here a long time ago. But everything is kind of calmed down now. And then we'll turn to the wife and say, okay, so how do you respond to that? And she'll be crying at this point, And she'll say for nine years. You know, I've been trying to connect with him, and I, I just I gave up. You know, I, I felt a year ago that um, I just had to pull away. And once she pulls away and, and she's not coming to her husband um, for this emotional resolution, uh, it's, not, it's not blowing up into a conflict, and, and he doesn't recognize that, that she's missing. You know, our wives, there's a the scripture in Genesis, it says in Genesis 3.16 that a wife's heart will be for her husband. You know, that is that desire that a, a wife wants to be connected to her husband. And if she can't be, there is a brokenness that she's going to feel. For husbands, it's a little different. When We might recognize that that connection's gone, but as long as we're being respected and, and it's not blowing up, we're okay with it. And we'll say, well, you know, uh, yeah, we're not that close, but I'm going to go out in the garage and work on the car, and and we're still fine. We're not. We don't have the same level of brokenness.
0: We're talking today with Scott and Jess Rothmeyer. They wrote this book. Jess wrote this book, God's Design for Remodeling. Nope. No reward. Sorry, I, took, I put my glasses on. How about this? God's designed <laughs> for a rewarding and fulfilling relationship. And they call the book The Divine Marriage. You can find out more about their ministry and this book at the at DivineMarriageCenter.com. DivineMarriageCenter.com. And we've got a copy of this book to give away today. 877-943-9673. 877-943-9673. Jess, let's jump back to you, because as I was reading one of the chapters in your book, you talk about this, I, I don't want really call it a syndrome, but, but kind of a the way women are wired, it, it seems like a lot of women feel the pressure from thoughts about not being good enough, thin enough, pretty enough. How can a husband help his wife to see that she is good enough, pretty enough, thin enough? How, do, how Does every woman suffer from this?
2: You know, pretty much, Jim, (laughs) you know, whether I'm counseling an adolescent girl or even, you know, women in their 60s and 70s, because, as we mentioned earlier, a woman, her kind of lens that she views the world and most of her relationships is through a lens of approval. And so as soon as we don't feel that we're approved of, kind of our first thought is it must be because I'm not good enough. And whether that's our looks, our abilities, maybe the current state of our marriage, even how deep our faith is, even women with uh, great faith can question their value and worth at times. So I would tell you this, the best thing a man can do, and this is both as a husband and as a father, is to reassure, reassure us as women often <laughs> that we are good enough, that you love us for who we are, we don't need to change to please people, and to validate our feelings if we've bring it up that we don't feel good enough just to build us up in our strengths. So,
0: Scott, how do you demonstrate that in your
2: marriage?
3: Oh, how do I build up my wife? You know, there is a great book called The Five Love Languages, and my wife definitely is words of affirmation. So I need to tell her how valuable she is, how wonderful she is, what a great wife she is, what a great mother she is. Um, what a great writer she is with this book. And she that she responds to that, you know. Um, if I go do the dishes, well, that's not so much, you know. It, it's not that it's not appreciated, but it's it's not going to get at that core of making her feel loved and approved of. So, you know, we need to understand specifically our, our particular wife. You know, one of the things we do in our counseling sessions is we will break out and um, go into temperament analysis because... Everybody can be a different temperament, you know. If if a husband is married to a, a sanguine wife, she is going to express her her feelings um, quite easily, and and almost it can almost be a volatile situation. Uh, if he's married to uh, a melancholy wife, she's going to have deep and tender feelings and not want to express them. Um, and if if she may be a supine, she's going to have these deep and tender feelings, but she's going to be afraid uh, that she's going to be judged. So. So we need to know our individual uh, wife's needs and her temperament, and then we can reach out and try to validate how she feels and build her up. And that's really goes both ways is we should be building up our spouse. I had a mentor tell me at one time um, as I talked, and he was a very esteemed individual in our community here, and I talked about how many people he had helped and, and where he had reached. And he said, you know, everything I am today, Is because my wife was brave enough to build me up in my strengths and overlook Mm. my weakness.
1: Wow, that's powerful. And it really does boil down to getting to know each other and really what feeds into each other. And there's so many resources for doing that. So I love this concept that um, you talk about in the book um, about minding your own backyard. Tell our listeners a little bit about that.
2: Well, you know, I think as husbands and wives, after we've been married for a couple years, it's pretty easy for us to start to focus on how we'd like our spouse to change or Mm -hmm. how uh, we could be happier in the marriage or the marriage could be better if our spouse did so-and-so. So So we (laughs) ask our couples to focus on what they could change about themselves. And so that's about minding your own backyard. So it would look Mm -hmm. something like we should be asking ourselves each day, how can I be a servant to my spouse today? We're asking God to refine us to be a godly husband or a godly wife. And then, then I think this last one is really important for women. How do we go to God to meet the needs that perhaps our spouse falls short?
0: Well, that's just, it's just so powerful. I mean, it, it just, I love the way that you guys make this sound so simple.
1: So our last question, because we decided we're only going to have time for one, is what are some of the reasons that couples fall out of a healthy marriage?
3: You know, I'll take that one. And, you know, really, I think a lot of couples never had a, a healthy marriage to begin with, and that's because the worldly teaching out there right now is not teaching biblical roles. There is kind of a, a worldly way to marriage nowadays, and that starts us out on the wrong path, and it, it, it gives us this uh, inability to work through our conflicts. It gives us uh, a high expectation of having our needs met and not placing our focus on our spouse's needs, you know, they say something like 40% of marriages end in divorce. And when it's said that way, it sounds like that means 60% of marriages are successful. But what we would say is we think 90% of the marriages out there that don't end in divorce are still living miserable. And that's why we started this program called the Divine Marriage Center, where we're going to teach people their biblical roles, which, which means this is your responsibility as a husband or a wife to your spouse. And when you can focus on that, it's not a, self, a self-focus. Whenever we focus on ourself, it, it's going to lead us into depression and unhappiness. But when we can focus on others, uh, it's going it's to lift us up. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons is that it, it starts out bad because people don't have a realistic expectation and they don't understand their biblical roles. Um, another one would be just the, the area of conflict and not knowing how to get resolution and forgiveness in that area. And that's what causes that uh, separation or that, that emotional mm-hmm. disconnect, which tends to build a wall between husband and wife. All
0: right, Scott and Jess Rothmeyer, thank you so much for being on iWork for him today. Thanks for this incredible book, The Divine Marriage. Find out more about him online at divinemarriagecenter.com. Scott and Jess, thank you so much.
3: Thank you, Jim and
1: Mark. Thanks, guys. Thanks.
0: All right. All right, as you, we come to the end of another I Work For Him radio show, hope that you heard something today that challenges you to deepen your relationships and work harder on your marriages. Check out I Work For Him tonight when you go home. Join the I Work For Him nation. Make that commitment to transforming your workplace tonight so that tomorrow when you go, you go with that paradigm shift in your mind to make a difference. You know, as we talk about marriage, what did you learn today? What did you learn You know, as we consider what we learned today about how our faith can impact our marriages, one of the things we, you just heard Scott just summarize is that if we would just learn in our relationships to stop focusing on all the issues that our spouses have, that the people in our relationships have, and just focus on the issues that we have and what we can do to improve those issues, what we can do to seek the Lord in improving ourselves, that's super important but also learning how to resolve conflict. Most of us grew up in a household where there was too much conflict, screaming and yelling and no resolution, or no resolution of conflict, but no screaming and yelling. But either way, we didn't learn how to handle it health, in a healthy fashion. We've got to learn to just focus on our own issues. And in a marriage, if husbands, you could just start loving your wives like Christ loved the church, Your wife will never have a problem submitting to your leadership. But anyway, focus on your relationship. Focus on what you can do to improve your marriage. You've been listening to the I Work For Him radio show with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers and we own our own business, but ultimately, I I work work for for him.
1: him.